you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. The Around the NFL podcast still isn't throwing in practice. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by New Era. My name is Dan Hansis and I'm joined in a room filled with some heroes, for now anyway, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Hey. Yeah, we were, uh, we thought it was going to be the three of us and Greg made a round of phone calls about 20 minutes before the show started to say that he would be uh, heading north from Chargers camp. Right. And after completing a call with Greg where we sort of said, I, with, I said, why don't you just roll in when you can because we've got a, a definitive start time, which yep. is rare for this guest show. A guest coming show. up. So I hung up with him. I thought very productive call, uh, productive call with Greg. Went on about my business. And then two seconds later, my phone rang again and Greg was FaceTiming me. I thought this must be extremely important. But Greg had mistakenly FaceTimed me and I could hear him speaking to some random person at Chargers camp while my face was up on the screen. His was not. So I said, forget it. It's a typical, Greg's done this on the phone before. So I just hung up on Greg. 10 minutes to go by again, and Greg calls me again oh my God. and then simply hangs up. So, you know, I don't know, what, a lot I don't know to what's going to. on with Greg there. He's got a lot to answer to. He also, and we can maybe talk to him about this when he's in here, it feels fair, but he made some bold statements about his driving ability uh, in and around Rams camp, where we were obviously on Thursday, and then there were some eyewitness accounts, <laughs> uh, first-person eyewitness accounts, <laughs> that spoke uh, really to the contrary of his statements that he is indeed a good driver. Maybe we'll get to that uh, today, but <clears throat> we have a lot to get to. So, yes, it was nice being at Rams camp on Thursday. That's what you heard on Friday's show. But better to be back in the studio. I'm happy to be here. This, this is, is where we belong. Safe, safe space. It's not, it's not like hot. It's not strangers everywhere. I don't have to shake people's hands. Be like, oh, thanks so much for, you know, helping us with it. You know, no, I just want to be in here in my little cocoon. This thanking thing is on your radar, I've noticed. 
So uh, we're back in the studio, and uh, Wes, we are how many days away from uh, week one? Probably 30-something. 30-something days away from week one. A lot of news to get to, and it's coming in uh, hot and heavy now. Um, So we're going to get to all that. Also, the Hall of Fame ceremony inductions were in Canton this weekend. So as we do every year, we will check in on the highs and lows from that particular affair. And then it's been a while. Our good friend, uh, formerly of NFL.com and now a hot shot over at the Monday morning quarterback slash SI.com realm, Connor Orr. Are you kidding me? But uh, actually, instead of playing a game with Connor, we're going to talk about a recent feature piece he wrote about uh, John Gruden and the Raiders. Which a toned I, down or segment. Yeah, a little toned down. Little, you know, we'll get to that because I think... Yet to be seen if it's toned down. Yeah, we'll find out where he's at emotionally. So, so much to get to. And Greg, at some point, uh, Loose Cannon once again behind the glass. Hey, guys. Thanks for all your hard work at Lance Camp. <laughs> You're welcome. You're very welcome. <laughs> Let's do some news. That's why I'm still kissing you in the mouth. Yeah, I kiss all my kids in the mouth. Don't hate. Don't hate. Stay with me now. Don't hate. Now. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. The best moment of the entire weekend in Canton was after Ray Lewis. And it was the background there was that he was saying he didn't have a relationship with his own father. uh, And he didn't have someone that, although he had a great relationship with his mother, he didn't have someone to tell him when he was young that, that he was loved and kissed him. So it was sweet that he kisses his children. But then to show the ESPN showed a long, like, um, pan across each of the children dying of embarrassment, which is kind of fun. To yeah. See. <laughs> um, all right, let's do some news. And uh, uh, the Ravens used to be the Browns. How's that for a transition, Sessler? Well, the Browns were scouting Ray Lewis before they became the Ravens. So right. So why don't we what hop? A in- wonderful t- two decades it's been. Why don't we hop into the dog pound to get going today? And um, once again, the Cleveland Browns are. Parting ways with a former draft pick that was supposed to transform the franchise. This time, it's wide receiver Corey Coleman, uh, who was their first-round pick in the 2016 draft. Uh, what what pick overall was he, Mark? About 12, was it? 15th, I believe. 15th overall. Um, suffered a pair of hand injuries in back-to-back seasons to start his career. And then you heard whispers, and Mark, this, is, this was something on your radar for some time, that Coleman was maybe not a good fit. Uh, in terms of personality or vibe with the new, 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 new Browns. So they trade him to the Bills. And uh, the Bills, obviously, we just talked about this last week on the podcast, Wes. They had a need uh, at wide receiver. They get Corey Coleman for the price of a seventh-round pick in the 2020 draft, which is Christian Hackenberg-type uh, compensation. Uh, just a boondoggle by the Browns, and they're moving on. This is the close, closest you can get to releasing a player without releasing him. A seventh-round pick, not even in the next draft. The draft after that is basically saying, we don't want the we don't want to cut the first draft pick of the Hugh Jackson era. Well, and I would say that if you're the Browns, if you if you look at how long front offices last in Cleveland, when you decide to net a draft pick two years from now, good luck if you're the front office making that pick. It's basically to me, I when I saw this, number one, it's bad optics for Cleveland, obviously on multiple levels. I think we get that. 
Because if you're Buffalo, you desperately need a wide receiver. Corey Coleman's about 24 years old, and let's say he's a ma- great trade for them. Let's say yes. he matures and he's still. I thought there was a game against the Ravens actually where Corey Coleman scored two touchdowns and looked incredible, and then it never happened again. I mean, you never know what you're going to get. So I, the the trade is mysterious to me on that level. Where why would you allow a seventh round pick to be the compensation? But what stuck out to me is there must be another shoe that drops here. On some level, whether it's they know something about Corey Coleman that the Bills do not. Now, he has to pass a physical and all that business, too. But secondly, are they planning to make a signing or a trade of their own to bring someone else in? He was listed number one on their depth chart yesterday, which basically tells me they're trying to sell him because they don't believe that. They didn't believe that and about him. And that's when the Des Bryant talks will again pick up, which, again, does not feel... Well, they have picked up because Rappaport said that interest is still there. Feels like a strange fit, Des, in Cleveland. We'll yes. see. But, uh, Wes, it seems like... Also, this wasn't a guy that had some type of catastrophic lower body injury. Um, uh, it was two broken hands, and maybe that's a chronic thing that will haunt his career. But this seems like there is more behind the scenes. You know, Mark Sparrows have been in his ear. That's why you've been bringing up Corey a lot, trying to get him out of town. There, there had to be more to this story, like Mark said. Well, I think what Mark Sparrows have probably said is some combination of he's a knucklehead in the locker room, off the field. And when he came into the league, the knock was... He came from a Baylor offense where you don't run anywhere close to a full route tree. Will he ever become an NFL-level route runner? And I would say those are the two questions he's carrying with him to Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, the people who have been at Browns camp say that rookie Antonio Callaway is already a cleaner route runner than, than, than basically Corey Coleman has ever been. So I, This is a guy, from a purely physical standpoint, you wrote articles, other people wrote articles comparing him to Steve Smith as he entered the league. Right, but there's a DNA chip miss, missing there big time to make him Steve Smith so far. Um, and there is that is a wild stat. I think every Browns pick, first-round pick since 2011, there's no one on the team. Well I, what I, well, I think there's a lot of pride involved in that too. Number one, bad picks, but it's new front offices, and we're seeing it with John Dorsey. He's coming in, he's burning down the entire house that he inherited, and there, there have been five or six front offices or iterations of – some I feel like I heard this stat in 2013 it, exactly. about the previous front office. It's the same thing, pick. right? It's just not. It's not. The year. It's just ridiculous. So it, you know, you you have to have one of these, and hopefully it's this one. But who knows? Stick around for 10 years and have a, a shared philosophy over the course of a decade. It should be noted that this pick was made after they traded out of the opportunity to pick Carson Wentz. Well, it goes down if if you want to cook it up a certain way. You could say almost that they got they gave away Carson Wentz for this 2027th rounder uh, <laughs> and a few other players. That's it is a bit one of a stretch. Of, in the end, well, in the end it is one of the worst trades of all time because they got very little in the end. Um, and just to make sure I have that stat right, Cleveland had 11 first-round picks in the eight drafts between 2009 and 2016. None are on the team. So, uh, Corey Coleman, uh, sayonara. Moving on. Well, obviously, Corey Coleman. <laughs> <laughs> obviously. Uh, good teams have stability at the top. The Browns have not been able to do it. The Eagles have. And uh, we saw that. Uh, this weekend, the Eagles on Sunday announced head coach Doug Peterson and executive vice president of football operations, Howie Roseman, have signed contract extensions. Uh, no details, uh, but this is as n- a no-brainer as it comes. In Atlanta, they did something last week, locking up their brain, tr- brain, tr- brain trust. This was equally a no-brainer because Doug Peterson is the perfect guy to lead that team, and Roseman uh, survived. He went through the five football fields of S-smelling foulness, made it out clean on the other side, and he is more power, powerful than ever in that organization. 
this is this is their time. This is their glory days, their halcyon days. Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman, to me, salad days. Even. Salad days. They were the story of the 2017 season. The way they've built this team, combining analytics with old school scouting, new school philosophy, to develop a team that the owner can be proud of on the field as well as off the field. This had to have been one of the most no-brainer, even with so many years left on their contracts. These guys are the story in the NFL right now. I believe salad days refers to when you're young, uh, barely getting by and eating something more, no more than salad. Is that salad. what it means? Yeah, it means you're like a, a naive. So I wouldn't I, I thought wouldn't salad categorize. days meant like these are the good times. I know, but would you think that? Hey, these are the days that Dan Hanses ate salad. <laughs> I, Some like, salads are good, though. I think like it, I, mean, I, I will check it out, but I, th- yeah. don't, I think the Eagles have, are post-salad days. I got your post salad days right here. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, moving on. Uh, so we knew this was going to be a situation where we had a feeling, uh, even when we were at the talent summit, uh, which is kind of an obnoxious thing to say, but I was at the talent summit for NFL Media um, <laughs> last month, and they had uh, Al Riveron uh, explain the new rules, including the new helmet rule. And lo and behold, in the first preseason game this year the hall of fame game what happens the flags are flying i believe there were multiple uh penalties uh for leading with the helmet afterwards players were perplexed uh players were upset confused and frankly i would imagine worried that this is the new reality in the nfl and we're not going to be able to play more than six snaps without a personal foul for going helmet to not just helmet to helmet now mark helmet to any part of the body so a troubling start. Yeah, well, we came home from Rams camp, and that Hall of Fame game was, you know, midway through or so, and Twitter was aglow with the helmet. The first thing I saw looking at Twitter. We were just, like, refreshing, it like was just ceaselessly. Non- what, <laughs> what happened next? <laughs> Non-stop helmet rule issues. I, I think a couple people, especially some former players, made a good point, though, that whenever they initiate a new rule – because back when there was hands to, fi- hands to the face was a rule a couple years ago, Jeff Schwartz, the former lineman, pointed out that they called it endlessly in the preseason to get it into everyone's mind. And then when week one came, they they, gal- they regalvanized how often it was getting called, how annoying it would be, how invasive, and they chilled on it a little bit. But it's really to set the tone that, you know, let's not find out in week four that this is a hot issue. Find out in week one of the preseason. And that's why I don't want to get too worked up about it in the preseason because we, Go don't, nuts, Wes. we don't know how it's going to be called in the season. We don't know if it's going to be a minor annoyance or a major storyline every week. Uh, Moving on, Kelvin Benjamin, uh, who is now in Buffalo. He was a former first-round pick of the Panthers. Wait a second. Look who's rolling I'm just trying to get airtime here. (laughs) There he comes. The man. Oh, he's wearing shorts. First time anyone's ever worn shorts in the podcast studio. Not true. It's not true. I used to wear shorts in here quite often until a shadowy league figure informed me that I was to stop showing up with shorts on. I've never I mean, seen but you Greg's guys. been on the road though. That's a short out there. You shorts is the normal Hi, dress Greg. out there. Ooh, it was ninety degrees. And yeah, it's hot. Mesa. It made Irvine look cool. I've never noticed. Watched you guys from that side of the glass. It looks very professional. Like hmm. really good operation we've got going. Here. Well, that's good. And uh, <laughs> you were at Chargers camp. How'd well, that go? It was good. Yeah. You know. Better or worse than being at Rams camp with us. Being at Rams camp with you guys was more fun. This was just. But then you get at Chargers camp, you get to like pal around with like DJ and stuff. I feel like that. Tom Telesco. That guy's I feel like crazy. It's up your alley. Uh, it also was over at noon, so that Ooh. that wasn't hmm. you know a nice thing. Uh, like any, that schedule. So anyway, we're gonna keep going here, Greg. You want to just jump in? That's the plan. Yeah. Let's Sorry. jump in. We're talking about Calvin Benjamin. 
who was a first-round pick of the Panthers, started out pretty well, actually, his first year, and then things kind of went south. He is now on the Bills. And in an interview with the Athletics, Tim Graham, the Bills receiver, um, talked about his four years with the Panthers. Uh, this is what he had to say on his time in Carolina. I mean, I felt like I would have been even more successful if – ellipses looking back on it I should have just been drafted by somebody else I should have never went to Carolina truly I just think Carolina was bad for me it was a bad fit from the get-go he went on to say this if you would have put me with any quarterback let's be real you know what I'm saying interesting any other he didn't say interesting I did any other accurate quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or Eli Manning Ooh, shot across Wes and Greg's bow or Big Ben anybody quarterbacks with knowledge they know how to place a ball and give you a better chance to catch the ball it just felt like I wasn't in that position. Wes, your thoughts? Uh, I sort of hated that this story came out because Cam is such a polarizing figure as it is that people want to reduce the discussion to him of whether he sucks or he's awesome. Mm. There's never any room for he's a terribly inconsistent passer because his mechanics are screwy and they will always be screwy. When he's playing hot and his mechanics are all right, he's an MVP. All the other times when he's not playing hot and his mechanics are off, he's one of the worst passers in the league and yet and maintains plenty of value because he does so so many other things well. That said, Kelvin Benjamin wasn't lying. I put ball, this, uh, ball placement issues are a major problem with Cam Newton. At the same time, though, I put this under, under the category of why. Why do this? Why say this? And by the way, the, the second question is, you're on a Buffalo team with three quarterbacks who we aren't sure we can trust any one of them. So your situation, it's not like suddenly you're with Aaron Rodgers and you can sit in your pretty seat and say, the past was rough and rugged for me. No, it's going to get worse now. You're going to find out you're going to appreciate Cam Newton potentially by week three or four. I, I totally agree with everything both of you said, but the first thing that's stuck out to me was, well, this is why they traded Kelvin Benjamin part. Right, sure. You can go find... All, and Will Brinson did in this tweet all these insane quotes that Kelvin Benjamin had during his time in Carolina, some of which were very dismissive of Cam or the coaching staff or whoever. And, like, that's that's one of the reasons they wanted to get rid of him. Yeah, but except that a former Panthers coach and former Panthers front office individual traded for him. And then just now had to sit down and have a talk with him right. about what, how they want him to <laughs> They should know himself. better than anyone. Let's take a quick break from news to check in with our sponsor. Is your home an ADT home? In fact, it is, gentlemen. My home is protected by ADT, which helps protect against break-ins, fire, and carbon monoxide. For a limited time, get ADT's lowest rate starting at just $28.99 a month from the most trusted name in home security. That's just a dollar a day. Greg, you don't need to be good at math. To I have ADT, and I had to break into my house because I locked myself out last week. Were <laughs> you immediately shot by the ATD, ATD machine they were, guns? They were on top of things. Every time your family goes out of town, you have to break into Happens your own house. Time, yeah. <laughs> ADT is the first security company to help keep you safe at home when you're on the go with the new ADT Go app. Not to mention ADT Go also offers a family locator. Whoa. Private messaging automatic check-ins, and safe driving reports. It even includes an SOS button with 24-7 emergency response. Go to ADT.com slash podcast slash podcast. Where's around to take advantage of ADT's lowest rate? ADT tested, trusted, proven. 
36-month monitoring contract. Early terminations and installation fees apply. Include excludes taxes and fees. Applies to traditional services. Oh, this is when you talk really fast. Applies to traditional services only. Certain markets excluded. Licenses available at ADT.com. Also, Jules Sous-Vide. We back. Makes it easy to cook an incredible dinner that everyone will love any night of the week, whether you're making chicken, seafood, veggies, Mark, eggs, practically anything. Jules Sous-Vide makes it better than a restaurant. Jules makes it easy to batch cook healthy food at home, and food comes out perfect every time. There's zero guesswork, so food is never under or overcooked. You can even cook from frozen and get perfect results. Just drop vacuum-sealed pro- frozen protein right into a pot with Jules. Uh, no need to defrost. Uh, I love it. Love this product. <laughs> to get yours, visit chefsteps.com slash Jewel and use code around to get $15 off for a limited time. That's mm. chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E code around Jewel. Perfect food every time. All right, back to the news. Meanwhile, on the throne of sleaze, uh, the Patriots will be without their rookie running back, Sonny Michel, who underwent a minor procedure to drain fluid from his knee, Rapsheet reported Saturday via source informed of the situation. He's expected to be back in time for week one, uh, the matchup against the Texans, but obviously not a good start for a rookie. Any rookie doesn't want to be behind the eight ball here. Uh, Rex Burkhead, Greg, at the top of the depth chart, New England, and uh, Sony's got to make his way up. It already sounded like Rex Burkhead was the leader in the clubhouse for touches and that Michelle was having his struggles, maybe because of this knee injury, which Michael Lombardi reported back in April was a bone-on-bone condition in his knee, yet the Patriots still drafted Uh him in the first round. They do this a lot. They tend to take a lot of injury risks, and then every once in a while it turns into Rob Gronkowski. But for the most part, it's just drafted a lot of injured players. Is that Mike Lombardi, though, a deep inside the Patriots organization scaring other teams off? Or is that, or is that what the I Patriots thought at the ignoring time. Mike Lombardi? But that was what I thought at the time, <laughs> but now it's not working out too well. Uh, Rap Sheet said about two weeks is how long he should be out. But to me, that's two weeks off the field. And then to be eased back in because you're dealing with a knee situation, You have. I, I wonder whether he's going to even be on the field in week one. Uh, And in other Patriots news and in more knee issues, uh, Malcolm Mitchell has been waived by the Patriots, a former fourth-round pick who, if you recall, had a really nice game in the Super Bowl 51 win over the Falcons. But he's had knee issues that have kept him on the sideline, and um, they are deciding New England now to move on. Again, another hit to the depth chart there, and you wonder if Mitchell's issues are even more serious than we are aware of because he probably could be a useful player when healthy, Mark. Yeah, I mean, this team is crumbling from the inside out. That's all I have to say. <laughs> There's no way a team that needs wide receivers is releasing this guy if he's healthy. I, You know, just as a Patriots fan, man, I was ready to just be a huge Malcolm Mitchell fan. Oh, you were? For, you were. And I am a huge. <laughs> literally the last time he was on the field. Way to jinx him, bro. He caught five passes in five targets for 63 yards in the Super Bowl. And they were all these insane timing routes that took so much precision and was some of Tom Brady's most memorable throws, I think, of his entire career that Mitchell's catching. I'm thinking, all right, we got a decade with this guy. Well, now you <laughs> that, have to shift. That, la- that was it. Now you shift your affections to known malcontent, Kenny Britt. This is <laughs> Kenny Britt just keeps on. I don't mind. I'm just no. saying. Please. I mean, I don't mind. He got him a ring. They would not have won a Super Bowl without Malcolm Mitchell. So this has become respect. the wide receiver equivalent of Sam Bradford's week one game against the yes. Saints last year. <laughs> I'm blowing it up. It's true. <laughs> it's fair. 
Uh, don't forget about Geno Smith's closer to the 24th. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lightning end. in a bottle. Did not end in the Super Bowl, though. Um, moving on, the Raiders' surprise kicking move. You know, I love kicker talk. Uh, Giorgio Tavecchio, uh, the second-year kicker who replaced Seabass last year when Seabass went down with his injury and uh, really thrived, especially in the early part of the season, allowing him to stick around. Well, John Gruden uh, obviously didn't see enough of him to say, we want you here in a long-term capacity. So Tavecchio was cut loose and signed as Mike Nugent, who I believe has now been on every team in the league twice. I mean, I guess we're going to talk a little Raiders later, but is this Gruden just saying I'd much rather have someone who's 36 than 24 well, on my team? Now the kicker is supposed to be Eddie Pinheiro, who's an un- undrafted oh, rookie. Who, who they And Mike Nugent is there competing. He's but in the building. It sounds like it's Pinheiro's job. And by the way, Dan, I do want to mention when I was at Chargers camp, I scooted over to the second field just mm-hmm. where the special, special teamers awesome. are hanging out. And uh, I saw your buddies over there. Roberto? They were just Roberto Aguayo, of course. I mean, this yeah. has been kind of under the radar. I would think Aguayo's back in a I'm big, tracking it. big time competition. He's had a nice camp uh, so against Caleb Sturgis. Uh, yeah. He's the underdog, uh, Aguayo, but you know the reports are they're both kicking pretty well. Yeah. Uh, I, I, should I dig in on this? They were just kind of sitting around, though. There wasn't much to see. I always mm. wonder. Come on, Robbie, they, get they, up. Do they feel guilty about that? They were just kind of like hanging around. <laughs> what is Aguayo's hair situation right now? Because he's gone bangs at times. He's done a little bit of a he's, V thing in the middle. He had a helmet on. Just so. trying to figure things out. How do you feel about Greg being on your corner? I actually appreciate it because he was there, boots on the ground. I was hoping you were going to I didn't really have any great. Kicking, but. Did any, I did ask someone, and they were like, oh, they're both kicking well. Too close to call. I think uh, Dan, like, it doesn't matter until the game starts. You need to get back down in the lab, Dan, and do yeah. a little Eddie Pinero film study. <laughs> I think you're right. Had you heard of Eddie Pinero before today? <laughs> of course. <laughs> I know every kicker that comes into the league. It's just, just I, don't, I hold back from talking about all of them because I know not everyone shares the passion That's fair. that right. I do That's, about that position. It's a veteran move. And m- meanwhile, by the way, another special teams news involving the Raiders, Marquette King, who Gruden said, get the, get the hell out of here, What's bro. What's wrong with him? He goes and he's, he's fighting with some like uh, radio station guy uh, over Brandon Stokely. Uh, Brandon Stokely is a part of a radio team that interviewed Marquette King, and, and, and now there's like a war of words. That guy seems annoying. A little bit. Not Stokely. King. Maybe Stokely's annoying. I don't know. Uh, moving on, some sad news. Former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns general manager Tom Heckert uh, passed away at the age of 51, the Broncos announced Monday. Uh, most recently, he was a personnel executive with the Broncos from 2013 to 2017. He had stepped away from the team following last season. Uh, he was ill. Uh, it, we had not heard a lot about how sick Heckert was, but obviously it was a very serious situation, and he is uh, gone at the age of 51. You know, we just talked about all of Cleveland's intense draft misses, but if you look at Tom Heckert, when he was there under Mike Holmgren, and that's largely seen as an unsuccessful stint because of the Brandon Weed and Trent Richardson scenario, but these are the names that he brought in. Joe Hayden, TJ Ward, Jabal Shear, Jordan Cameron, Buster Screen, Mitchell Schwartz, and Travis Benjamin. Each one of those players, outside of Jordan Cameron, remain largely, and TJ Ward to some degree, largely productive and have had productive careers. I mean, imagine had he stuck around. He went on to Denver and was sort of hidden away in Denver, but this is sad news. A lot of people he hired in Philadelphia were still there and were part of that Super Bowl, you know, last year. I mean, he was back there in the early 2000s, and a lot of people like Howie Roseman worked underneath him. He, the disease he had is 
amyloidosis, which is what Matt Millen has. So mm. best wishes to Matt Millen. This seems like it's going to be quite the battle. Uh, in other news, the Arizona Cardinals are down a starting center. Uh, A.Q. Shipley has been diagnosed with a torn right ACL. He is done for the season. It now falls on third rounder Mason Cole, uh, who will uh, be a starter most likely. Shipley now heads into free agency at age 32 off a torn ACL, so a bad situation uh, for him. Anything? Yeah. To me, what sticks out about this is Steve Wilkes has really emphasized all offseason everything starts up front. That's his new mantra. And one of the most bizarre opinions I've heard from a head coach this this year is Steve Wilkes' opinion that the strength of the Cardinals is the offensive line. This was an offensive line that was one of the biggest weaknesses in the league last year. They added Justin Pugh. They added Andre Smith, who was in and out at Cincinnati over the years. And they didn't do much else adding there. Uh, so I think to me, like, okay, the potential may have been the strength of the team, but that's neglecting to point out that the, almost every position on, the, on this offensive line comes with a huge question mark. Uh, the Falcons have agreed to a three-year extension worth uh, close to $20 million with uh, defensive back Ricardo Allen. The free safety uh, had been in talks with the team uh, for some time, and they get a deal done. So add another piece. Again, Mark, good franchises have stability. He's a solid player. They've been really active. They had, they extended Matt Ryan, Jake Matthews, paid Julio Jones. I guess Grady Jarrett, maybe the last name on the list here. One of yeah, I think he should be next, and he's maybe the best player of all those guys. It Ricardo Allen was one of the only memorable parts of a pretty quiet hard knock season. He came out of nowhere. Mm, that's true. In that hard knock season. At the time, he was just trying to make the team. So this this does show you, like, you can remake your career if you land in the right place. I didn't watch that Hard Knocks, but one of my few ever takeaways from Super Bowl media night was during the Falcons-Patriots Super Bowl in that week leading up to it, Ricardo Allen I looked at as kind of a fringe player who was lucky to be a starter, and you could tell just after that media night, he was one of the leaders of that defense. And now, another edition of Keeping Up with Bowen. Yes, it is. Maurice Bowringer, former draft pick of the Minnesota Vikings, Germany product, trying to make his way in the NFL. Didn't work out with the Vikings. Uh, so he caught on with who, Mark? Well, with the Cincinnati with Bengals. the Cincinnati That's Bengals. Right. And what is new with Mobo? What's new is he largely, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say flamed out, just did not materialize as a wide receiver. And they have, he added on some pounds. And our boy, Henry Hodgson, Handsome very Hank, who is very uh, apparently very invested in close friends with Mo Berenger, noted that he added on, tacked on some weight, has now become a tight end for the Bengals. Everyone. And that was another edition of Keeping Up with Bo. <laughs> my, I think that's my favorite sound drop. Sneaky, right one of my favorite <laughs> moments of the show. I, uh, I just enjoy that. Did a podcast with Eric Jensen. Check it out. I, I retweeted it last week. They said, "What's your favorite bit on the show?" I don't know. Those Mobo updates really. <laughs> I had more too, but we can we can leave it right there. Uh, Henry, short and sweet. Handsome okay. Hanks in Brazil right now. How about wow. that? Wow. Uh, and uh, finally, in the news, Johnny Manziel made his CFL CFL de- debut on Friday night. It could not have gone worse. It went Nate Peterman bad. Four interceptions and one half. Uh, the Montreal Alouettes embarrassed by the team that uh, Manziel was on before his trade that got him in the starting lineup. He got benched. 
I don't know what when he gets in the lineup. I think this is the moment, Wes, where we could probably detach from Johnny until there's any reason. In fact, you could have made the argument. I'm sure about judging by your body language. Wes, we could have done it today, but it should be noted that Manziel imploded, and that's where we're going to leave him for now. Well, in my notes for the show was one thing on Johnny Manziel. Just when are we going to have a moratorium on Johnny yeah. Manziel? More like boratorium. <laughs> <laughs> he is a front office killer because they, they gave up two first round picks and players for him to get a guy that a week later, two weeks later, is throwing four picks in one game. I'm just happy for <laughs> Ver- in a lesser league. I wanted to imagine the the guy they benched for him, Vernon Adams. Oh, was, he's loving. He was he was must have been <laughs> loving it on the sideline. He literally said after he's he Geno Smith, he's he got benched. It on the he side. said. He said, I don't want any Montreal fans basically to ever talk to him again. He will never forgive them for like booing him and w- saying they want Johnny. And he must have just been enjoying this. <laughs> and I, I figure like the, the Montreal general manager, not probably not maybe not long for the league. Where do you go after the CFL? It doesn't work. You go to like Iceland. The I Iceland, mean, Erica Iceland was recently attached to a, a football league, went out and saw a, a Super oh, yeah. Bowl. What about that league? Uh, I think it's for women only. But the general are the general managers all women? I don't uh, think they're plugged no, they into weren't. it. No. Do you know the internal schematics? I unfortunately don't have all the info on that. Um, but 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 shout out to the Boston Breakers won the, the title. Renegades. Okay, just made it. <laughs> the, the old Thanksgiving Day game with your boys. That's his next league. <laughs> woof woof. Montreal LHGM getting a drive by here to close out the news. That's what's happening in the news. Uh, Did you get your passport? No, not yet. You'd better get on that. You'd better get on that. Well, I ordered it. It just hasn't got You can't travel abroad without a passport. Obviously, I know. You can't travel to London without a passport. All right, now you're up. Hey, Dan. What? Better get your passport. Are you dumb? <laughs> you don't have it yet? It hasn't arrived yet. You don't just screw yourself. You screw all of us if you don't get a passport, by the way. Exactly. Where's yours, Wes? Oh, I've had mine. I, I, Greg would have lost money thinking I'm the paperwork chump here. I have faith. You you put it all in there. It's you know what? I, I, I put would it say, out there. Put it's your up faith, to the government. Put your faith in the U.S. government right now feels <laughs> solid to me. Dan's distaste for other countries coming back to haunt him in a big mm, spot. I'm getting popped here right now. And I'm a little bit nervous. Thank you, of course, to the great, iconic Sidney Carlson. All right, let's uh, get into a little Hall of Fame talk. That was be- like three Sidney Carlsons. That was amazing. <laughs> that was well done. <laughs> she, there are no limits to her abilities. Uh, let's move on and talk about the Hall of Fame 2018 inductions. Uh, Ray Lewis, Randy Moss, uh, Brian Urlacher, Terrell Owens, Jerry Kramer, Robert, Robert Brian Brazil. Dawkins, Robert Brazil, Brian Dawkins, uh, Bobby Bethard. That's it. Nice Good. class, um, and a lot of a lot of stuff cooking with it, Mark. I know you were super plugged in. Uh, what was like kind of your the biggest takeaway for you? Well, I know Greg watched this closely too. I watched it yesterday on on uh, repeat, so I could fast forward through all the humble fluff. Well, no, I mean because I can't tolerate. I don't need it to be a five hour long show. Get to the meat of it. But I I was um, kind of piqued by something that Ray Lewis brought up. I believe we have the sound for that, if we could play that. It, it, was, oh. a, 
It was a wonderful ceremony, but this, this was an odd moment that got on my radar. Let's play oh. it. Oh, did we, host, did we host that Lombardi? And they tried to turn the lights out on us. Now, now, now let's just be honest. Let's be honest. If you grew up with me and my mama grew up in the projects, your light might get turned off every Friday. But Beyonce had just performed. So something had to happen. They ain't just go out. I promise you them lights just didn't go out. But that's the way you end a career. Okay, so the the childhood comments are fine, and I respect um, a lot where he's come from. But but it's 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 sandwiched by two comments about the lights going out during the Super Bowl against the Niners, where Ray Lewis cl- is clinging to this theory, uh, and this is what the oddest moment of the night, in an otherwise very nice night in Canton, clinging to a theory that the <laughs> NFL intentionally, because the Ravens were blowing the Niners out, turned the lights out in the Superdome in New Orleans to blow up the whole mood in that stadium and regalvanize the game to get the Niners back in and make it close. Now, I think that's called an intense scarecrow. <laughs> I mean, he, Ray Lewis' entire speech was madness. Yeah, that was like the that was like the tenth least like most crazy thing he said over the weekend. He oh, got, no doubt. He also that, told reporters he said when I pl- when I played crime what was lower in Baltimore. <laughs> it's like no one needed to be mad. Everyone just wanted to be happy and celebrate. Well, Dan found something too, didn't you? What? A little humble brag from Ray Lewis? Oh, uh, one of my favorite humble brags that has ever happened. And this is this is strange. ESPN had a scroll. Was this new? ESPN I only scroll. watched it on NFL Network, so that was new. That you yeah, so ESPN has a scroll that allows the players, uh, the inductees, to it's just a thank you. It's a way to get in names that maybe you otherwise aren't able to get to in the speech. And uh, near the end of Ray Lewis's scroll underneath his speech, thank you to the president, president of Tanzania for allowing me to bring water wells to your people. <laughs> That is the that's a humble. Break. humble that is a first ballot Hall of Fame humble break. <laughs> yeah. Take out all humble breaks. And Mark and Greg's right. Mark's uh, quote that he pulled uh, probably wasn't even like close no, to here, crazy. Here's the no, other Come on though, you tell this, me that's not an insane. Theory. No, that's an insane thing to say. That he's just, the whole thing was crazy. Don't take it personal. He also no, ta- he also <laughs> talked about that he would run 15 to 20 miles to practice every day, high school football and wrestling, but his. His, he had a tape of Phil Collins's "In the Air Tonight," and he would just rewind it and listen to that song over and over. And then he he concludes that story by going, "I felt this coming in the air for a long time." What about? The, I, I was like, "What? What are you?" What about the numerology at the top of the top of the speech where he's saying how everything five and two and seven and it all connected to God? Just as like a, a exercise, Mark, I thought, what if we took that quote we pulled? And just added something underneath it because there was this manic, crazed, almost dangerous energy to Ray's speech. Let me just try this. Oh, did we host? Did we host that Lombardi? And they tried to turn the lights out on us. <laughs> now let's just be honest. Let's be honest. If you grew up with me and my mama grew up in the projects. Your light might get turned off every Friday. But Beyonce had just performed. So something had to happen. They didn't just go out. I promise you them lights just didn't go out. This is scary, scary. But that's the way you end a career. (laughs) What has happened? 
I have the utmost respect wow. for him as a player, and I hope no one ever <laughs> sticks a microphone in front of his face again. Mm. Yeah, he w- he was sweating through. That was impressive too. I'm a sweater as well. Like he had not only sweat through the dress shirt, he sweat through the entire jacket, which I don't. I've never, never seen, seen that it. happen. No, that's tough to do. But anyway, so uh, right. thirty-three minute long speech. Am I am I right about that? That's Does it a need, lot. It, it, there needs to be. For the sake of modern television and the viewership and where our habits are going, no speech that's 33 minutes Well, that's long. what my, – my big takeaway, best speech of the night, easy, was Robert Brazil, who's not going to get a lot of, like, publicity from it. But like a writer, he sort of had a, a narrative device that carried him through the speech. Yes, well done. It was eight or nine minutes long. It had plenty of energy. It had a couple good jokes, and he was happy to be there. It was delightful. So just <laughs> congratulations for the best speech. Take some notes I, from that, please. I think they suggest 15 minutes, and Ray Ray – They used I to think, say 12 was their match. Okay. People just blow by Lewis, it. I think Lewis said before the speech that um, – he was going way past that. So he let people know. And that's a lot of yelling and huffing and puffing well, over you're, a half hour. Also, you're taking away from the other speakers when you're de-energizing. Not that, not that everyone felt this way, but when you're taking up that much speaking time, it just to me, it's like, can you, can you stop yourself at the door just a little bit, please? <laughs> Which is taking nothing away from a brilliant career that he's had. But it was – Not the football player. He was on it's, brand uh, right. at this speech. Uh, Randy Moss – of course, got inducted, and uh, uh, Bill Belichick, and this made news, Bill Belichick uh, and Robert Kraft showed up, and I guess it was a surprise. Uh, I think we have sound related to that as well. Last but not least, I'm not going to forget about you. Bill Belichick, I'm not going to forget about you. I want to thank you for being a friend when it wasn't always about football. You showed me how much I love the game. You challenged me every day to go out here and be great. You challenged me to be great, coach. And I'm sorry we did not bring it home. I, I picked this one, and Greg, we didn't know you were going to be here, so we would have had you pick some sound bites too. So let me ask you your thoughts on this, because if you were, do you remember watching this point on television? Bill Belichick's eyes. I think Bill Belichick yeah. is the ultimate football historian, and he's in Canton. And I, I honestly felt for him a little bit because you have this, these knuckleheads in the crowd booing Bill Belichick that this is one place where he it's should not. It's almost respect, though. I, I, I'm just I'm going to jump in and All just right. say. It was absolutely the Eagles him. fan. It's, you know who it was. That's fine. And it's just because he's so notorious fan. and famous. I get I didn't, that, I didn't I get see that but I honestly saw a little bit of hurt in his eyes. Like, hmm. like, like I thought that rapport was broken with he's him a little human. bit. He's not human. I, I totally disagree with you, Dan, that he – I do think he felt something here, and I think that was just – it's something about it. I get that you're Eagles fans or what you're, you're some jabronis out there that root for another team. Something about it did not fly with me. Well, that's an interesting take, and I should watch it again. But the thing – if it was breaking anything, it was uh, an intense sort of from-within happiness that you normally don't see from Bill Belichick. I was I – was, surprised that Bill Belichick was the last person that Randy Moss mentioned. And you could tell how much Randy Moss and Bill Belichick love and respect each other. The the fact that he showed up there after a Patriots practice for a guy that was only there for a few years. And the fact that Randy Moss brought it up last. And when he was saying those words to Belichick, you could just tell the smile on his face, like how much that meant to hear from, from another person he considers, you know, one of the greatest of all. Time. And our guy, Ben Liebenberg took an amazing photo of Kraft and Belichick and Moss together. And do you remember that moment in the Belichick NFL network special where Moss is in his office saying, 
ch- kind of goading him on to come to that Halloween party. Yeah. That was kind of the relationship they had. So it's it's interesting to think back on that. I think Belichick changed not just the Patriots run that they had, but Belichick changed the way people thought about Randy Moss because within a few months of him getting there, he said, this might be the smartest football player I've ever coached. And a lot of people are pretty down on Randy Moss in general. And to hear that respect, and even when they traded Randy Moss, they were so res- like so much respect coming both ways. I think it helped change uh, some of the appreciation for Moss that everyone has now that they just didn't have during his playing I career. I still remember exactly where I was on the Upper West Side of Manhattan when I found out the Patriots traded for Moss and <laughs> scared it was, you to death. It was so obvious what was going to happen next that even though he had fallen off a little bit in Oakland, that with Brady and Belichick, that something crazy was going to go down. And uh, to say the least, that happened. He had arguably, you could maybe throw in Jerry Rice and what was it, 88 uh, or whatever, but the greatest season ever by a wide receiver. And that is, I thought that was a little bit poignant, uh, poignant I'm sorry we couldn't bring it home. Of course, a reference to the Super Bowl yeah. uh, and 18-1. and one. And he would have had the game-winning touchdown catch had not, uh, if not for the late heroics by Eli and Plaxico. So. Belichick didn't just change the way people thought of Moss. He changed the way writers covered him. Writers gave him more respect after that. Uh, Terrell Owens uh, did his ceremony in Chattanooga. We, we already know what's behind it, but he did confirm it was a uh, his reaction to not being Canton was because the writers he felt punished him for not being uh, a well liked individual or being someone that was uh, not seen as playing the game the right way and all that stuff rather than basing it on what the Hall of Fame is supposed to base uh, your eligibility on, which is just what you do on the field and 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 so that's why he did that. Wes, you wrote about that. I don't know if you had anything to add. Well, it was sort of it was a speech that had its high points and low points to me. Like, he made some really good points, and I do believe he wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer because voters didn't do their job. Voters took into account things other than what happened on the field. They were wrong. He called him on that. On the other hand, this is an attention-starved narcissist who is unwilling to address the self-inflicted nature of his own wounds. And, you know, I think it was Charles Robinson from Yahoo said he's a first ballot blamer, and he absolutely is a first ballot blamer. There were a lot of great moments in the speech though and I think the sound bites that ended up going on Sports Center or NFL Network that night were about the writers and how they didn't let him in but he had a lot of great moments where he gave credit to a lot of people you could and everyone that's played with him has said no one questioned his work ethic like that he loved I don't think anyone has ever he loved the game of football and if he did end the speech I thought was interesting kind of saying what he thought the speech was for or for people that were outcasts and that had been picked on and bullied and and that just didn't kind of get along with the rest of society. And that's how he sees himself. And certainly his childhood, if you if you know about it, had some some rough times. And I do think the way he ended it was poignant and it meant a lot to him, you know, and I think it meant right. a lot to the people. But you also can't him. you can't blame the media or anybody else for focusing in on those sound bites about it because that's what he made his entire Hall of Fame and the induction about being snubbed and about his issues with the voters. So that he made it that it's, story. It took so, guts, though. The thing that I didn't like was people saying he's missing out on all this. They they know better. Like, you know, even Steve Mariucci on our air was kind of almost saying, like, I feel sorry for him because he's missing out on that. And, like, that's not really being a friend. Like, if you really are a friend of T.O., someone that has a relationship, just support and support him in what he wanted to do. That's what he wanted to do. It was, certainly wasn't easy to do that. And just let him be. One little nugget about him. 
hours after this speech, he's trying out for the CFL's Saskatchewan Rough Riders. <laughs> yeah. How many NFL Hall of Famers have wound up playing in the CFL after being announced in Canton? Sounds like a bit of a stunt, but it, of course, <laughs> apparently has a 4440 speed still. I don't know if I buy that either, but that's just what's being floated. I just asked that we stop with the martyr stuff. Like he's not a martyr, and no, and it really bothers me that he's attempting to rewrite who he was as a player. You were the one who hopped on the exercise bike with the sunglasses and and the Lance Armstrong uniform and asked for the attention. You were the one who sat in the driveway and did sit-ups and knew you were making a circus. You were the one who threw Donovan McNabb under the bus and were a bad teammate. So don't tell me all this stuff didn't happen to you. And said, you brought that on said yourself. very uh, unsavory, unfair things about Jeff Garcia. Absolutely. It's all fair. Uh, you know, like the media didn't overblow the coverage. Best. He... He started all. Well, it was a mutually beneficial relationship. I remember Until watching NFL Network every every day during that holdout. That's the greatest holdout of all time, the Eagles holdout. Because <laughs> there was like daily updates where something crazy would happen. Wouldn't they something. cover it the same way today? Oh, yeah. They, it would be even more people. Sure, and it's entertaining, but it doesn't make you a good teammate. Uh, anything else from the Hall of Fame, Mark? Mark? Jerry well, Kramer? I thought Kramer was well, – you know what? First of all, when I saw Kramer – up there, I, I thought I thought Kramer was in the Hall of Fame like 25 years ago. <laughs> that was my first thought. It's like I've been hearing about Jerry Kramer since I was 10 years old. So, uh, but his speech was unbelievable, and I thought it was a good bit of for all the players today complaining about salaries. He talked about signing on with the Packers. First of all, when he got drafted, he had no idea where Green Bay was and had to look at a map <laughs> with his relatives. Where is Green tidbit. Bay? And then they, he had some someone in his camp say, what is it I'm supposed to ask for as a salary? And the guy said, yes, for $8,000. And he went to the Packers and they said, all right, one-year contract. What do you want? He said, 8000 They said, absolutely. It's like he knew right then he had been taken for a <laughs> ride. And then he asked, and they said, you got a signing bonus too. And he said, 250 bucks. They said, fine. And it wasn't a bonus. It just came out of his first paycheck. <laughs> so I thought it was a, a look back at a completely different time and that part of the show where they talked about Vince Lombardi I thought that's what the, it brought a whole pause to the entire proceedings and you can say it's a little precious but it was a nice moment for the Packers and Ken a lot of a lot of listeners tweet asking for book recommendations Jerry Kramer wrote the first real football behind the scenes book with a player he and Dick Schapp wrote instant replay in 1968 one of the best football books ever and holds up really well now check out Very also readable. one more July from Bill Curry and George Plimpton also about the same era of the Packers and Vince Lombardi both great football books and getting drafted and then having to look up where you're going to play on a map is one of my favorite like hero's journey tropes <laughs> <laughs> just love that storyline yeah uh, all right Feels that, like Steve Francis I in believe Vancouver. him though no, I'm not saying you made it up, but it does pop up every once in a while. It's just a fun little trope. Hey, one second, guys. Uh, it's been a long off season without football, but FanDuel has spent it getting into the best shape of their lives. That means that FanDuel is ready for more, more ways to play, more ways to challenge your friends, and most importantly, more ways to win. If you're not a fantasy expert, we are, but. No such thing as a fantasy expert. Then FanDuel is clearly the best chance place to play. They have all kinds of contests just for casual fans. In particular, beat the score contests are great because they pay out everyone who hits a certain score. So all you have to do is finish in the money to split an equal share of the cash. Make some money. Where's our boy Joey Watts? Joey! Joey Watts! Uh, Greg's like itching right now. His arms like, sounds so good. Uh, Anyway, FanDuel also has new options for playing with your friends. Right now, you can get a $10 bonus when you make your first deposit on FanDuel. Greg, where are you going? <laughs> Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash around the NFL. That's FanDuel.com slash around the NFL. 
age and state restrictions apply. All right, before we go, yes, we teased it at the top of the show. It's been a while since we heard from one of our great friends, one of the great satellites of the Around the NFL podcast. I don't know if he's at his uh, haunted mansion in New Jersey right now, but let's hope that he is. Connor Orr, what's up, buddy? Yo. Yeah. Hey, now. Hello. God, I miss your voice. I miss you guys. What's going on? What is going on, uh, Connor? What's new? You know, just uh, living life, man. Still haunted, you know? Is it still haunted? Like, you got... um, the mortgage and everything, everything is the same right now. I know you have a different job, so I don't know if anything else has changed in your life since we last spoke. I would say the only major change is that at the, at the peak of summer heat, uh, my air conditioner has exploded. Mm. So mm. that's really that's really about it. And I mean, you also, you also a, have a daughter. You had a child, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> and there ain't no Evelyn. There ain't no landlord to call about that AC unit either, is there, Connor? No, you just kind of, you know, you, you go out there with like a wrench and you pretend that you know what you're doing and then you come back in 10 minutes later and you're like, ah, you know, couldn't couldn't fix it. But you don't even touch it because you don't know. You know that checks out. So, How's the lake house? That's it, yeah. That's it? Good. Um, so, Connor, um, I wasn't aware you had a lake house, but. He lives in a, it's essentially a lake house. So there's a lake in town, right? Close by. It's in my backyard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's haunted. Let's stick to the haunt. We we, yeah. we oh, want to stick to the. I had no idea haunted. there was a body of water, yeah. and now that I know that, you definitely have like the the lady in 1800s like white gown apparition above the lake at midnight every night. <laughs> oh, please, <laughs> definitely going on. Anyway, all right. So Connor, usually when you come on, we you know we get wacky, we get irreverent, we do maybe a or are you kidding me segment, uh, uh, or you know whatever, but. You're doing really good work over at SI. Uh, Peter King said, I'm out of here, bro. Peace. But you're still there, and, um, and, and you have continued to grind. It's grind 30 for you at SI. You wrote a really good piece uh, about a week ago about the Oakland Raiders and specifically John Gruden um, uh, about how things. It's one of the, the, the great polarizing debates both in this room and in the NFL. The subplot is how will John Gruden take – in the NFL in 2018, and uh, you spoke, Connor, with a lot of uh, players from his Tampa Bay days, and it wasn't all sunshine and roses. Well, I thought, like, it was It was one of my favorite conversations because I was talking to Chris Sims, and he's like, yeah, you know, I had a lot of issues with that guy because eight months after I almost died on the field, he tried to cut me, and then, like, three, three minutes later, he's like, but he's an all right guy, you know? I mean, like, whatever, everything's okay, but... So it kind of represents this, like, really strange, like, Stockholm syndrome that all of his players had uh, under under him. Yeah, I think it, it hit on a great point. It is a great piece, the Bucks piece, because talking about, you know, talking to the former Bucks players and kind of like, how is that going to fly? Is he going to adjust that approach? Because I think it burned him in Tampa. People, the players, I think, eventually stopped kind of believing what he was selling because – they could be, as you wrote about really well, so nice to their face and then cut them or kill them in front of the media. And it was just seemed to like be a lack of trust. And now maybe you're seeing that a little bit in Oakland too. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we've already, you know, the right away, um, you know, to get rid of Marquette King to quote set an example. And then, uh, to say that Khalil Mack, the defense wasn't even good when they had him, And then, uh, 
you know, like he's been calling out like a steady stream of players. But what's weird about his approach is he loves veteran guys because they're easier to coach and you can get hit the ground running faster. But he also loves talking crap about players. And that's the one thing that veterans hate. Like they want to come in, take care of their business and leave the facility and go home and not have their coach like taking pot shots. You wrote, you wrote in like a bullet of what are like kind of like his greatest hits and tools. He uses the media as a tool to pressure and motivate. And that's exactly what he did with Martavis Bryant in the news right now. He's a guy that's getting tweaked big time. Uh, and I, I think that something that I like that you wrote and what makes him kind of interesting and maybe hard to pin down uh, you wrote, he's neither cold and distant enough to be Belichickian nor warm and engaging enough to be Pete Carroll. So he's kind of a man without a country, or he was by the end of his Tampa Bay tenure. It's about, what I guess, whether he learned or not uh, during that time away the right temperature with the team. Yeah, and I just don't think, at least now, like it doesn't strike me that it's any different, right? Like It's like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go to Hooters and eat wings and like say terrible things about everybody and run the fullback offense and like he's just it's almost like like Trumpian the way that he's like we're gonna do all the stuff we did twenty years ago and and everyone's like cool but I don't think anyone's thinking practically like like not a lot of this is gonna work out. I mean, one thing well. make the Raiders great again. Like Connor when he inha- when he came to the to Tampa Bay, obviously inherited a very good team, one that was on the cusp of you know going to the Super Bowl with a lot of pieces in place, and he was able to carry that the distance. And then, uh, to Greg's point, I, I think the Tampa Bay sort of fell apart from there, and the thing that we thought the Gruden was so great at, which was developing quarterbacks, really never happened after the Super Bowl. And it, it was almost that his stint uh, with Monday Night Football in the media almost rehabbed the image of John Gruden and made him this alluring, you know, distant prospect that you'd want to bring in as a coach. But did you talk to any players that said, yes, he has all these character traits that are impossible to deal with, but almost like with a Belichick, he's really, he's not the most fun guy, but there's this football acumen and this thing that the team can lean on that will save us every time. Do you get a sense that people feel like Gruden, the football coach beyond the person, is something that's such, that is worth a 10-year contract at this incredible amount of money? Well, it's interesting. First, like all the players that I talk to, or 90% of the players that I talk to, all thought that the media thing was a rehab tour. They said like he was not well liked by fellow coaches, by players, and this was a great way for him to sort of reshape his image, which you can do on TV. I mean, we've all seen that, and it's entirely possible. The one thing that I will say that, that a lot of people have said about him, though, is that schematically he is that smart. He is able to do things. You know, Jeff Garcia told me they would impl- implement something and then three weeks later, see another team running it. Uh, it made their lives better. It made their lives easier. The only problem was when it came to the game, he would always sort of regress a little bit and play more small ball because he had a great defense. And Oakland's going to be very different now because this is a team that needs to score 40 points a game to win. Hey, Connor, after researching and writing this and then hearing sort of his comments throughout the offseason and the moves they've made to bring in some guys and get rid of others, do you have a, a dramatically changed opinion on what you expect from the Raiders this year after doing this? Well, a little bit, and it's not good. It's just, you know, it seems like he came in immediately and the, the, his, his kind of M.O. was always he was going to cut, you know, the guys that he didn't want to deal with. He was going to bring in older veteran players um, that could pick up the system. 
And, you know, that's exactly what he did. I mean, Jordy Nelson's in his 30s. You know, he got rid of Michael Crabtree, and, uh, you know, he's playing with the fullback again. And it's like, you know, I, I think that maybe conceivably this could work at some point. I think the only thing to his favor is that he has shortened his play calls, um, which a couple of players have told me used to be gargantuan, like 30-word play calls, now very short, very concise. So maybe he's adapting a little bit to the times, but still – this is a young man's game, and he's really kind of loading up on, on older veteran guys. Like that was his whole shtick on ESPN, going through the play calls and all the all the nonsense. And now he gets he hits the scene and decides to truncate that. Where do you think Reggie McKenzie, the general manager, is in all this? Because it feels like he had a, a powerful voice in that organization, and Gruden comes in and sort of trumps everything that was built there, and just is making these decisions to reshape it in his image. I don't know. I'd be pretty. You know, I mean, every. Every relationship, right when you first get there, like, you know, it reminds me of when Rex Ryan got to, uh, or, you know, when John Edzik got to the Jets and everyone's like, oh, these guys don't get along fine, him and Rex Ryan. Like, <laughs> nothing bad is gonna, could possibly happen. But it's true. I mean, John and Reggie are very different people. I'm sure they see um, their team uh, in a very different way. And, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this spills out. I, I, I don't think, you know, no one's rooting for this to work more than, than us. I think that having Gruden be successful in this league would be good, but I think that it's, uh, it's healthy to be a little skeptical of, of how this is going to happen. Uh, finally, Connor, um, are you happy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy. I'm, like 1 to 10, where are you at? What's that? 1 to 10. Like 10, you couldn't be happier. 1, you got poop in your pants. I would say, like, if it wasn't for the air conditioning, I'd be in the left. I'd be through the roof. Wow! Uh, but it's I'm probably like, in, but an eight right now. It's good. I I don't feel. Uh, I, I do. I, I texted you. I think a couple weeks ago uh, yeah. for an "Are you kidding me?" Uh, and I would like to remain in that capacity. But there's a lot less pressure when. <laughs> You know, uh, I, I don't have to come on and scream about something. You know? Yeah, this in general just feels like a really like uh, Connor War at peace, and maybe it's because we're not making you do an or are you kidding me, but I feel like you're in a good place in life. Well, he's got the house, he's got the lake, you know. He's, he's got, got it all, Greg. He, the jo- he clearly likes the job better than the one he had at the NFL. You know, Sounds like a much better <laughs> old, job. Uh, old Peter King isn't swinging his elbows around, so he's gone. You know, you still hate Seinfeld, though. Is that clear? You still cannot stand the concept of the Seinfeld franchise. Yeah, I, uh, it's, it's funny you said that. I, I texted one of my friends who's a Seinfeld super fan the other day, and there was a marathon on, and I said, I'm going to watch five episodes I'm going to text you I'm going to Why? tell you how many so times many. I laugh once once in five Wait, episodes you were so hate watching that? it yeah that's <laughs> what? I love five though you weren't just dipping in for yeah. five or ten minutes what? it's five episodes what made you laugh just out of curiosity <laughs> I think like, after a while like you know the 30th time that Kramer just like blasts in the door and does that same old like shaky thing where he's like it looks like an alcoholic that's that that got me like the prettiest time. I was like, okay, still firing I shots can, here. I can see why people like. Couldn't that. even yeah. give him that. Jerry, Jerry doesn't need anything else either. He's happier than all of us. But uh, all right, Connor, you are you're a great man. You can be followed on Twitter at Connor Orr. That is one N and two R's. Uh, and he once upon a time went through all of our bios to see. Uh, how fluffy they were on Twitter. Yours reads, Connor Orr is a staff writer for Sports Illustrated in the MMQB. He might, he might have elbowed out uh, Peter King. Uh, I like to think that's what happened. Um, and Feels that way. Who knows who's in his way next? Who's in his way next? We'll have some bus tracks all over his back. 
<laughs> You've exposed my Machiavellian tendency <laughs> for all to see. All right, Connor. Good talking to you, buddy. Bye, guys. See ya. Hey, Connor. Missed that guy. All right, we're out of here. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday with another show, including our first Hard Knocks recap. How exciting. This is Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, and the loose cannon behind the glass. Till Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.